Welcome to Root Causes, the PKI and security podcast where a pair of industry veterans talk about all things digital certificates and PKI. I'm Tim Callen, Senior Fellow at Sictigo, and I'm joined by Jason Sirocco, my co-host, CTO of PKI at Sictigo. How are you doing today, Jay? Doing great, Tim. Thanks for having me. So today we want to talk about a very big piece of news in the public digital certificate community. I'll say a big piece of news that has been surprisingly absent from the media and the social media that normally cover this kind of thing, uh, you know, very closely, but, but something extremely important that's going on. Yeah, I think a lot of the people who cover these things might be on vacation right now because normally they'd be all over it. Yeah, you'd think. Um, and in particular, what we're doing is we're talking about a uh, rather large compliance and security problem that spans 14 different public CAs that was brought to the public's attention on the beginning of this month, the beginning of July, that certainly in its scope and reach will affect millions of certificates across many, probably all of the forms of available public certificate today. That's big. It's big. So what happened was on July 1st, uh, the engineer who's in charge of Google's root store program, a guy by the name of Ryan Sleevy, published a bug on the Mozilla board, which is where these things traditionally are discussed, in which he had identified, again, 14 CAs that had incorrectly configured OCSP responder certificates. Now, we've talked about OCSP in the past. This is one of the revocation checking mechanisms that we have, and it's far and away the most robust and most used and most useful of our revocation checking mechanisms. And in addition to that, we've also discovered revocation, how it works, what what matters about this. But basically... Due to this um, configuration error, without getting all into all of the gory details, it is possible for a bad actor to essentially spoof an OCSP responder. And what that would mean, if I'm spoofing an OCSP responder, is I could send back responses that said that we were all clear for OCSP, even if we weren't, even if the real responder would have rejected the query. And as a consequence, essentially what this does is this renders or potentially renders, I should say, a certificate unrevocable. Yeah, I think that final point was the the main point that was being made. Yes. And uh, that was... That was serious enough uh, when when that news uh, when that news broke. So right. So so here so where it all starts, and we're going to walk through this because this has developed in stages. Where it all started was that Ryan Sleevey posted this this bug that essentially says these certs, you know, in in the right attack, right, and now attacker would have to be able to do several things, right? They'd have to get your key. They'd have to probably compromise your DNS. They send you off to the wrong place. And then when you get there, even if someone knows that this attack is going on where you're being tricked or fooled or something, if they revoke the cert on this scenario, they could basically shut that down. And anybody with that poison DNS would just go right on getting the wrong 
uh, uh, responses, regardless of what the actual certificate holder or the CA tried to do about it. So that's really terrible, right? That's a that's a, a very uh, a very bad outcome because revocation as it is is just about our last line of defense. Our last line of defense is distrust of the root. So, gee, not wow. not being able to revoke certs is a bad situation to be in because the next step is to just plain stop, you know, trusting the root at all. And and so, you know, this this was identified again by Mr. Slavy as two things. Number one, a compliance, an unambiguous compliance error by virtue of the fact that how these certs were to be configured was clear and unambiguous in the guidelines and they had not been done that way. But more importantly, in his mind, according to his words on the public forums, is that it was a an unacceptable security risk because of the high impact of an actual incident. Like, like there's no evidence to suggest that such an incident has occurred. But if an incident were to occur, now if it had occurred, we might not know about it, but if such an incident were to occur, then the impact would be just gigantic. And so, you know, Sleevey was clear, which is, it is a compliance failure, and therefore you must follow the compliance guidelines, and I'm going to hold you to that. But the reason I'm being such a stickler is because this is an unacceptable security problem. So let's let's pause there and make some comments, Jay. <laughs> yeah, sure, Tim. So uh, I'm, I'm thinking about that. I think it does actually make sense. Uh, you know, it's it's very clear what the bad guy has to accomplish. Right. It's not trivial. Uh, it, this isn't a, you know, I mean, it's not the trivial. U.S., the U.S. CERT team, you know, yeah. d- does a pretty good job at a lot of times saying, hey, look, you know, this is this is so impossibly difficult. You know, it's, it's Tom Cruise Mission Impossible kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, my goodness, you know, a script kitty could, you know, probably yeah. already has 10 scripts for how to do this. Yeah. This is probably, you know, in at the higher end. This is definitely an advanced attack, for sure. Yeah. But an but advanced on the other attack hand, with potential consequences that are enormous. But not impossible. But not, not impossible. impossible. And, and the, the the problem, of course, being you know the outcome. If the the attacker was able to jump through all those hoops, then the the outcome is just unacceptable. Yeah, the outcome is is absolutely enormous. And so, um, so so that was the baseline. That's where it all started. This is July one. So the Wednesday before the Fourth of July weekend. Shortly thereafter, possibly still in the evening of July one. Um, we get the list, the full list of affected CAs, again, from Mr. Sleevey. It's 14 public CAs. Shortly after that, various people using the CRT.sh tool, which was created by Sectigo's own Rob Stradling and is maintained by Rob, uh, managed to identify several interesting things. The first of which is that many of these certificates, which were used to sign OCSP responders, were also being used for other things. And the big thing among those other things that they were being used for was to sign intermediates. And those intermediates that were being signed with these certificates, in their turn, were signing very large numbers. We're talking millions of LEAF certificates, end-user certificates, and not just TLS certificates 
but all forms of public certs. There were code signing certs. There were SMIME certs. There were um, uh, 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 document signing certs in there. So yeah, Tim. So yeah, that's the part that really surprised me. Tim was just the 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 wide ranging number of certificates that were that were implicated here. That yeah. it was it ended up being a <laughs> a lot of certificates. Yeah, it was something like something like two hundred more than two hundred fifty, two hundred seventy five ish intermediates across these fourteen CAs were identified um, as as being you know essentially being no good now. Another key part of this that we haven't even gotten to yet is because these certificates are essentially unrevocable, what that means is it means cons the, the, the practical consequence of it is that the keys cannot be reused. So normally when there's a certificate problem, what you can do under most circumstances is you can issue a new certificate using the same set of keys. And as a consequence, you can swap in the new cert and nothing else needs to change. So, for instance, if somebody had a typical compliance problem with an intermediate, they would have a certain amount of time to solve that by changing out the intermediate. They could change out the intermediate and the leaf certificates that are deployed on machines all around the world would not need to change. They would continue to work. However... Due to the, the, the nature of this problem, the only way to mitigate it is to cease using that key pair. And as a consequence, one of the things that Ryan Sleevey is going to require from uh, the, the CAs that had this problem is that there will be what is called documented key destruction. I think it was documented, uh, a verified key destruction, something like that. I could look it up. But basically, he wants credible evidence that he can believe that not only have the certs been revoked, which is easy to check, but that the keys cannot be used again. And that means that the intermediates need to be signed. The new intermediates need to be signed with new keys, which means that the leaf certificates will stop working. They will not roll up the trust chain correctly. And what that means is that all of these LEAF certificates, these millions and millions of certificates that are out there on systems all over the world, where the CAs don't even necessarily know where or how they've been deployed, those certificates will fail when these intermediates are revoked. Yeah, Tim, that that is, that is something else. Um, yeah. When you're having to it's just the thought of, of some of these big intermediate CAs having to be not just them themselves taken offline, but all the leaves associated with them. Yeah. That you're talking about very large, you know, I'm thinking right now in the movies when large chunks of a large city, the, the lights go out you know, yeah. one at a time. It's almost, it's almost that kind of feeling. It's, it's, it huge. is that kind of feeling. And so not surprisingly, there was a, a decent amount of initial public pushback from CAs saying, no, this is extreme. No, we can't do this. Um, no, think about the end users that are going to suffer. And, you know, they started to pull out the normal. These are critical systems and, you know, government sites and transportation systems and, you know, cyber defense and, you know, all of these things that will go down and the consequences of these things going down will be vast and sweeping. Um, and here again, I think 
you know, Ryan Sleevy is pretty clear on his position. And this is where it's good to understand how the CA Browser Forum works, which is there are CA Browser Forum rules. And if you do not follow the rules, that is a non-compliance incident. And so Ryan's clear that anybody who does not revoke the intermediates in the, in the specified time frame are having a non-compliance incident. And he is not flexible on that. And there are certain... Uh, rules about what you need to do when you have a non-compliance incident. Um, now, at the same time, a non-compliance incident does not carry with it an automatic death penalty because there is recognition of the fact that circumstances might occur where non-compliance is the best choice or the only choice. Um, however, it is considered to be a meaningful uh, uh, failure on the CA's part, and it is noticed as such. And, you know, part of the reasons that distrust occurs, I'm thinking about the semantic case, I'm thinking about the certonomy case, is for too much noncompliance. So a noncompliance incident definitely really, really matters, um, but it isn't necessarily a death penalty. So, you know, Ryan's been clear that, that everybody who doesn't have their intermediates revoked in the specified time period We'll have a non-compliance incident. Now, you ready for the for the kicker, Jay? You want to know what the the specified period is according to the guidelines? I I am waiting for that. That's it's great. Sev- seven days. So on July eighth, on July eighth. So these people, in principle, had seven days to swap out millions of certificates in order to uh, uh, revoke these intermediates or revoke the intermediates and cause people to go offline. Um, now, it's, it's, this is impossible, right? You can't, you can't get people to, to change out their cert under the best of circumstances, um, let alone when you're suddenly surprising them, let alone when you're suddenly surprising them the day before the long 4th of July weekend, the day after Canada Day, if you happen to live north of that particular border. And, um, you know, at a time when huge numbers of people are going on vacation, especially since, you know, we've all been in this weird COVID-19 situation and there's some amount of reopening and a lot of people are choosing that time to take their vacations. It was just a really rough, rough, rough time for people to be dealing with this. So, um, So needless to say... Not all of these routes were revoked. Some of them were. Um, it looks to me, my eyes, like the majority of them, well, more than half of them were not. Um, and, of course, this is, this is an issue. Number one, it's the compliance issue. But number two, there is this underlying security concern. Yeah. So, so Tim, I'm trying to think now. At the top of the podcast, you mentioned 14 CAs affected. Mm-hmm. That's not all of them, right? There's no, a lot there's, more CAs than there's, that. There's like more than a hundred in the Microsoft Root Store. <laughs> so yes, right, right, yes. So four, 14 is a is a limit. You know, fourteen is a finite number within the CA world. Yeah, um, uh, but some and, of them are very, very big. To be clear, right, right. But was it? Uh, I'm I'm assuming it wasn't all the big ones. Well, it wasn't us. If that's where you're going with that. So, yeah, so it, to be clear, yeah, but you know what? That's a good point, Jay. We should make that. If you're listening to this podcast and you're a Sectigo customer and you're thinking, oh, God, I got to go to something dumb about my certs, you don't. Your Sectigo certs are fine. So let's just get that clear um, so everybody knows that. Um, it wasn't, well, 
how to put this there are three there are four CAs that between the bunch of them are doing more than 90% of the global volume and two of those four CAs were affected that's interesting Tim. so, so uh, big yeah. numbers yeah, we, we, sometimes when you hear about these things, I mean, we, we've, we've heard all kinds of wobbles in the CA industry, um, and a lot of times it's re- really some small players who didn't quite know what they were doing, right? right. Mm-hmm. And th- we've seen those kinds of problems before, but that doesn't sound like it's characterized yeah. like that. It does include some some of the, the larger yeah, ones. It, which... it, it includes people who had access to the information they needed to know how to do this, had the technical acumen or needed to have the technical acumen to know how to do this and who um, have been issuing certs since well before that rule was put in place, who have been issuing Thank certs since well that. before OCSP was, was, was a thing, well Perfect. before OCSP that, that was really... real. So if that's, if that's where you're going with this question, Jay, that's the answer. Yeah, because that, that leads me really to, to what my, my real question, because this, this, this podcast is not about a you know, who, who and, and, you know, it's more of a how yeah. than, than a who yeah. question that we're trying to solve here. The, the really though is, is, was this a solvable, uh, you know, so, something that, yeah. that insight from the past might have led you to not having this mistake. Yeah. In, in other words, uh, is this avoidable? Was this an avoidable? Is problem? this avoidable problem? Yeah. And I, and, and I, yes, the answer really is yes. There's no other way to put it. Because for starters, lots and lots of CAs did avoid it. And second of all, you know, it was right there in the guidelines. Like, like it was in the guidelines, black and white. It was in the guidelines since version one. And public CAs are responsible for following the guidelines. Now, you know, I'm really sympathetic to these guys. Um, I'm reminded of the 63-bit entropy problem that you and I discussed last year when it occurred similar thing um uh, that's exactly yeah, what comes to mind Tim. yeah and and lots of certs had to be revoked and replaced because in that case the entropy problem was in the certs the certs themselves had to change right it wasn't wasn't this root problem but you know that at least had the what that had going for it in terms of sort of people giving themselves a break was that it was a popular tool that was widely used that is not behaving the way that it was said to behave. And, you know, it was just a function of people not really looking too closely at it to realize that one of the digits was always the same. Um, and, and you know, at least you understand how that comes about. This is a different situation. This was just, it seems ultimately this was somewhere along the line, someone making a technical or configuration decision who didn't understand all of the parameters that needed to be followed. Pure and simple. So now let me throw one more wrinkle. This incredibly wrinkly situation we have, I'm going to throw one more wrinkle into it, which is I mentioned early on that this affects more than just TLS certificates. So in the world of TLS, we're used to revocation and replacing. That's what OCSP is for. That's what CRL are for. Those are SSL mechanisms. But in this case, these intermediates that have to be replaced have been used to sign other kinds of certificates, including SMIME. And there isn't a mechanism for an, let's say, an email system to check if an SMIME certificate has been revoked. So 
there, there isn't an equivalent of OCSP for S-MIME. So these intermediates are going to stop being trusted. When the intermediates are stopped being trusted, the OSs, right, your Apple, your Windows, your Linux, will stop trusting the root. It will stop trusting the S-MIME cert. And there's no way in that whole system to say this certificate has been revoked. So in the case of the S-MIME certs, people have to somehow reach out to whoever's using the S-MIME certs, wherever they are, and say you have to uninstall this S-MIME cert from your email client and install a new S-MIME cert with the new intermediate from an email client. So that is just a whole new nightmare that none of us has been anticipating or expecting that is going to be, I mean, that's, that's arguably going to be the worst set of certificates of all to get replaced. And people are going to be out signing their mail, thinking they're signing their mail with certs that aren't trusted. And then individual client systems will fail in different ways, depending on how they fail under those circumstances. And it's just going to be ugly for those people. Geez, Tim, I'm, I'm thinking now of the implications even for email storage. Sure. With SMIME certificates that have essentially become what, know, untrustable. What a great point. I didn't even think about that, Jay. That's an interesting question, and I don't know the answer to you, but if the, if the, if the root becomes untrusted, can I access my old stored emails? Still, I think technically yes. Okay. Uh, s- simply because there is no check. <laughs> if there, if 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 there if the check mechanism isn't happening, in other words, if 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 you essentially have the key to the door, the door will open. Right. Uh, as long as the door accepts that key, and and in, from my understanding, you can probably configure it to open the door if you possess the the correct so, key. So let me make sure I'm asking this question right, because I really am ignorant about this. This is this is an interesting one. So I sent an email a month ago when these roots were trusted, and it got stored locally, and it's stored encrypted because I sent it with an SMIME cert, and I can open it up, or someone else can open up. Let's talk about a key vaulting scenario. Right, my keys have been vaulted, so someone else can open it up. Let's say if I lose my laptop, now the the, the intermediate gets distrusted. That old SMIME cert that was signing these these uh, emails no longer has a trusted chain up to a trusted root. Now someone goes in and needs to open my archived email later in the future using their key vaulting software and their vaulted key. Does that decrypt the stored email? It, it, I think is if the it's a I think it's more of a matter of possession. If you possess it, <laughs> then then you can right. It, if it, you have the, the old the, key, you still have the key. Right. Okay. Right. So in other words, the the configuration sure probably is not hard set to say do not open this email. Gotcha. If, right. If it's been revoked because you have the key, so you have the key. Okay. So that's a little tiny bit of good news in this whole giant mess. So, you know, I, I never even thought that through. I'm glad we discussed it. So anyway, this is developing in real time. Um, at one point, one of the major CAs said that it would take them, I think it was eight or 10 months to get all of these things revoked. Now, other people blew up at that. Um, so they subsequently published a message saying, we're working on bringing that number down. But, you know, it's it's just... It's a mess, and it's going to be a mess for a long time, and there's going to be fallout, and a lot of people are going to have trouble. They're going to have projects, or they're going to have a really bad day when things start working, stop working, rather. Um, and this is, this is going to be 
a big impact on a lot of individuals for a long time. And um, it's going to be hard to ever truly document and characterize exactly everything that goes on with that. So there you are. That's really, really interesting, Tim. I'm glad we were able to to talk this through. I, I think that the nuance of the uh, a couple things I think that, that were interesting to me here in, in terms of Ryan Sleevy's assessment of the risk uh, from a security standpoint, I think I think holds right. Mm-hmm. And I think also from PKI, P, in, you know, people who are interested in the topic, especially in public trust, the fact that these intermediate CAs having to be distrusted at the root level is, you know, that this is the fundamentally the, 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 the big problem here. Yeah. And the fact that we're now dealing with types of certificates that are not just TLS, this is really something. This yeah. Is a, yeah. It's, it's, it's a big issue. This is definitely a first in the world of public PKI. Like there's, there's never been an episode, and yeah, I think back to some of these other major episodes, the 63-bit entropy problem, the semantic root distrust, various other things that went on, huge and important, but this one has some unique characteristics that I dare say we never thought we were going to see in the real world. Um, and, and yet here we are middle of the summer, 2020 things uh, never seem to get dull. 20, 2020 definitely is going to throw you lots of curveballs. There's no question about that. Um, so, uh, I, I think we will probably return to this story sometime in the future when there have been a lot more consequences have shaken out. I don't think we're going to do a weekly update because, you know, it's all just going to be, it, it needs a little time to cook. Um, but I think we'll be returning t- to this. And Tim, I think we got a we got a podcast on the root store program. Yeah, I think you're right. I think explaining root stores, how they work, um, why they do what they do is is a really smart future podcast because that's a lot of the context that also makes this make more sense, right? There there is a CA browser forum element to this, which we've discussed, but there's also a Mozilla and Google and potentially other root stores aspect to this as well that's very important. So that's a good topic to return to in the future, Jay. Thanks, Tim. I kind of enjoy these, here's a big item in the news, and then here's a, a future podcast that explains what the heck the, the components <laughs> right. are behind that right. news. Right. We always have lots of future podcasts. We have no shortage of oh, things yeah. to discuss. But maybe a good place to leave it today. And, um, you know, again, probably in some months we'll return to this. Thanks a lot, Tim. All right. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, listeners. This has been Root Causes. Root Causes.